Hallelujah. In the first John chapter 3, verse 1, do you have it? Say amen. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. I'll stop right there. Again, John said, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. And tonight, I just want to scratch the surface, surface of an unending subject, and that is the love of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you tonight in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I'm thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for the blood tonight. Lord, I thank you for the cross. I thank you, Lord, for the grace of God that, Lord, every single one of us are here tonight because of your awesome grace. And, Lord, tonight we just pray that, Lord, you would make yourself real to us, Lord. Make your love real to us, Lord. Lord, help us, as John said, to behold the love of God. And, Lord, we just give you all the praise and all the glory. Lord Jesus, work tonight. Speak tonight, Lord. And we give you all the praise and glory. And everyone said amen. You know, it's difficult to distinguish when the, when the Apostle Paul, John, when the Apostle John, excuse me, wrote the book of 1 John and 2 John and 3 John. But most believe that he wrote these three books towards the end of his life, that they were the last books that he wrote, meaning that he would have wrote, written the Gospel of John first and then the book of Revelation second and then the letters of 1, 2, and 3 John the last. And I believe that that is the case. So with that said, when we read the, the, the words that the Apostle John wrote in these three letters in particular, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, we are reading the words of a man who, ex, who has experienced life. He's older in age now. He is the only apostle that ever died a natural death. He was an older man. And most importantly, we are reading the words of a man that had a revelation of Jesus Christ, that is the person of Christ, like maybe nobody ever has had, even greater than the Apostle Paul himself. In regards to the person of Christ, John is the one that had the great revelation of Jesus Christ, the book of Revelation, 22 chapters of just the revelation of Jesus. And so the Apostle John saw Jesus in a light that I think maybe others didn't see him in. The Apostle John is the disciple that is called the disciple whom Jesus loved. The only one that is said about that. He is the one that leaned upon the breast of Jesus at the Last Supper. He had a, he had a unique insight into Jesus. Again, he saw Jesus in a way I think he, that no one had really seen him to, that, to the degree that John saw him. And at the end of his life, after receiving all the revelation that God had given him of Christ, the thing that sticks out the most to John is the fact that God is love. Let me say that again. After all the revelation that John had received that God had given him of the person of Christ, 
The thing that stuck out the most was the fact that God is love. The theme of the last three books of the Bible that he wrote, that is first John, excuse me, first, second, and third John, the theme of those three books is the love of God. The key word in all three books is love. Love. The fact that God is love. Love stuck out the most to John. Now, to me, that amazes me. After all that John had seen, after all that God had revealed to him, the thing that stuck out the most was the love of God. Church tradition says that when John was towards the end of his life, an old man living in the city of Ephesus, he would sit outside the door of the house church of Ephesus and he would tell the people going in, brethren, love one another for God is love. And he would just tell them over and over again, brethren, love one another for God is love. I think we could truthfully say that John had been overwhelmed with the love of God. I said he had been overwhelmed with the love of God. And in studying this, this passage of Scripture, studying this subject, the Lord began to just deal with me about myself having a revelation of the love of God like never before, being overwhelmed with the love of God. Because understand this, the love of God is life-changing. I said the love of God will change a person's life. It changed your life. It changed my life. It's love that brought us in. It's the love of God that brought us in. It's the love of God that, that sent the Holy Ghost to lure us to Christ and to save our soul. It's the love of God. Just recently I was studying the life of Charles Finney and I was studying about a life-changing event that happened in his life. Charles Finney during the uh, early and mid-1800s was one of the greatest evangelists ever to live. He saw God do incredible things up in northeast of the Northeast United States, in particular in New York. And in 1821, he tells about a life-changing event that happened in his life. He said up to that point, in 1821, he was 29 years old. He was a member of the Presbyterian Church. He led the choir in the Presbyterian Church. He even discussed theological matters with the congregates of, the, of that Presbyterian Church in Adams, New York. But he began to get discontented with the things of God. You know, church people can have that happen sometimes. Going to church, going to church, going to church, and just because there's no spirit of God moving, they, people can just get discontented. Well, Charles Finney began to get discontented with the things of God. At the same time, he had been studying law, and, and, and law was, was his career in life. But he was even becoming discontented with that. You know, if God hasn't called you to something, and you have a heart for God, God doesn't allow a discontentment to arise in your heart over that thing which you're doing. You know why? It's because God hasn't called you to that thing. God's called you to be used by the Lord, to be used by him. And if he hasn't called you to be a lawyer, watch out because you're going to be a miserable lawyer. 
Now you may do a good job being a lawyer, but your heart's gonna be miserable. If God's called you, and he has, hallelujah. And so in 1821, he, he was saying that I, there was a, he, he reached a, 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 a crisis moment in his life. And he was, in his law, he was in his law office in Adams, New York, and he just began to get so discontented, so discouraged. And he walked out to the woods that were aside of his law office, and he said in his heart, he said, I ain't coming back until I know for sure the reality of the salvation of the Lord. And so he went out in the woods. He prayed for hours and prayed for hours, and nothing ever happened. <laughs> so he said, you know what? Well, I'm, I'm going inside. It's getting cold. So he went back in just as discouraged as, what he, as he came out. And as he was in his house, in, 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 the, in the law office, he was just sitting there. And he said, the thought came to me of the simplicity of the, of the salvation of the Lord. That is so simple. And he just began to think about it. And it was the Holy Spirit doing that in his heart. He just began to think about the simplicity of the salvation of the Lord. The, the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish, but of everlasting life. And he just thought, and began to meditate on the, the simplicity of God's salvation. And he said as he did that a few minutes, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he said, the Holy Ghost came on me with a mighty baptism. And he said it was like waves of electricity coming over me and flowing through me. But something he said pierced my heart. He said not only was it like electricity, but he said it was like waves of love flowing through me and through me and through me, as I meditated upon the simple salvation plan of God, Christ and him crucified, there came a wave of the Holy Ghost, a wave of love that just flowed through me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And that wave of love, the Holy Ghost, changed Charles Finney's life. A man showed up the next morning and said, I need you to plead my case. And he said, I'm sorry, I can't plead your case. I've been called to plead God's case. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. I can't plead your case. I've been called to plead God's case. Jesus Christ. And that moment changed his life. What did? It was the love of God. Again, the love of God brings life it brings a change to life. Hallelujah. It will make the sinner a saint, the love of God. The love of God will, make him, will, will turn a murderer like Paul into a lover. <coughs> the love of God will, will make a, a hard heart soft. The love of God is so powerful that the love of God, when received by the believer, will make a gossiper stop gossiping. That's powerful. What will the love of God? My message tonight is not very uh, 
deep necessarily theologically, even though it is the deepest subject in the face of the earth. It's very simple. The love of God. The love of God. The love of God changed my life. It changed your life, hallelujah. It changed Paul's life as he went to the, on the road of Damascus. It changed his life. The love of God knocked him off his camel on his butt and showed him that Jesus is real. The love of God is again what got a hold of your heart. And he saved you, the love of God. Hallelujah. The love of God is what stirred the heart of Lauren Larson in the, middle, in the middle of the night. Not to be able to sleep and woke him up and stirred his heart to read the book of Proverbs. You know, what was it? It was the love of God doing that because God loved him. And God would change a, a drug addict into a preacher. The love of God did that. The love of God is what changes people's lives. It's what changes people's lives. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the love of God. In the next few moments, I just want to hit two very simple points. And those points are, what, first of all, what is the love of God? And secondly, how do I grow in the love of God? First of all, what is the love of God? First, God's love toward us is anchored and centered in Jesus Christ and his death upon the cross. That's where the love of God is anchored, centered, it revolves all around Jesus and his finished work at Calvary. Christ coming to die, coming to this earth and dying upon the cross is the greatest manifestation of God's love that there is. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Paul said, For God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. How does he demonstrate his love towards us? It's by sending Jesus. Sending Jesus. I want you to turn the next chapter over in 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. John said, in this, the love of God was manifested towards us. That God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God sending his son, Jesus, to this earth and dying the cross for us. That is love. That's God's greatest manifestation of love. So when we view the cross, when we think about the cross, when we preach the cross, teach the cross, sing the cross, we are preaching, teaching and singing the love of God. We are preaching and teaching and singing about the love of God that God has for us and that God has for the world. God's love. The whole love of God is anchored in Jesus Christ and him crucified. Hallelujah. And the fact that he did it for us, he did it for you, he did it for me, he did it for the whole world. Hallelujah. The Bible says in 1 John 4, verse 19, he said, that is in 1 John 4, uh, 1 John 5, that is, he says, God is love. 
God is love. You know, God does not just possess love. He is love. He doesn't just possess love. The Bible says that he is love. So, uh, so from his very being, from, there, from his very heart, love is constantly flowing from him. Why? It's because he doesn't just possess it. He is that. He is love. And love flows from his very being towards you, towards myself, toward the whole world. He is love. He is love. He is love. Love flows from his very being. And since, and since it's the truth that, that, that Christ is the greatest manifestation of his love, it's, it's, it's implying that, that Christ is, uh, to, to the world is flowing from the heart of God. Flowing from the, heart of the, from the very heart of God into the world is Christ. Accept Christ. Accept my love towards you. Accept Christ. That is at the very heart of the Lord, flowing out to the world, the fact that God loves you. God loves them. And I sent my son Jesus to die upon the cross. Hallelujah. That's the greatest form of my love. That's why Paul would say in Romans 1.14, I am a debtor both to the Greek and the barbarian, to the wise and the unwise. Paul said, I'm a debtor. Wise, because he realized that if he didn't share the love of God with other people that God sent him to, that it was committing a spiritual crime that he was committing a spiritual crime in the eyes of God if he retained and held back the love of God, the same love that God had given him. And the same thing applies to us here tonight. We are debtors to the world. You are a debtor to your unsaved coworker. You're a debtor to your unsaved family. You're a debtor to the person next to you that's unsaved. You're a debtor to them. Why? It's because you owe them something. You owe it to them to give them the love of God. Hallelujah. I said you owe it to them to give them the love of God that is anchored in Christ and his cross. You owe it to people. You owe it to the world to give them the love of God that's been given to us. We are debtors tonight. The agape Love of God is God's affection towards us. That God has such an incredible deep affection towards mankind, towards us, towards people, towards the world. God's affection towards us, it sacrificially gives with no expectation and love in return. It's based upon the inherent value of the individual, not upon what the individual has done or not done. God does not love us because we're Christian. He doesn't love us because we go to a family worship center. He doesn't love us because we carry a Bible. He doesn't love us because we do all those things. He just simply loves us because he loves us. <laughs> he has said he loves us because he loves us. Whoa, that's deep. He loves us because he loves us. You know, I've heard it said my, over several times in my life growing up at the church, I've, I've heard it said, you know, we need to get beyond Sunday school theology. And we need to move on to the greater, the, the deeper things of God. 
deeper things. Let's move beyond Sunday school theology. What I'm here to say tonight, we don't need to get beyond Sunday school theology. If you go beyond that, you're going too far. You know why? It's because this is Sunday school theology. Sunday school theology is this. I think in a nutshell, let's wrap up in a song. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones, to him belong. We are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Hallelujah. Don't, don't get beyond that. Don't ever go beyond that. You're getting too far. You're getting too deep. Actually, you're getting shallow. If you go beyond that. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. We are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. <laughs> Hallelujah. That will bring a smile to your face. That will stir a joy in your heart when you really know that. That there's a God in heaven who loves you. There's a God in heaven who loves us. Buddha does not love anyone. Muhammad does not love anyone. Mr. Moon does not love anyone. Satan does not love anyone. But God loves the world. God loves us. God is love. Hallelujah. May we be overwhelmed with the love of God. May we be overwhelmed with his love. His love for the world. His love for us. The love of God will not make you stagnant. The love of God will not make you passive. The love of God will not make you sit on your rear and do nothing. The love of God, I tell you, will burn in your heart like a fire. Paul said the love of God compels us. That if he died for all, then everyone who accepts his death should give their life right back to him. Hallelujah. The great love of God. Hallelujah. You know, when you're discouraged, the devil sometimes will beat it upon the believer's head. God doesn't love you. I know I've had that happen to me. It will, the, the, the devil will beat it upon your head. You're failing. And God's not happy with you. And he doesn't love you right now. I've told this in the Bible college almost every semester. The reason why is because of life, it's a life-changing event. But back in 1995, August of 1995, I was at a crisis moment in my life. As a youth pastor of a small church, and God was using me to a certain point with the, with the youth, and God uh, was doing things in life for the youth. And in just a few months, the, the youth group tripled. It went from 5 to 15. Hey, praise the Lord. So God was using me, but in, my, but in my own personal life, things were a mess. How many know that can, that can happen? 
Nobody knows what's going on on the inside. And in my own personal life, things were a mess. I mean, a, uh, a train wreck. And the devil kept on hammering it over in my mind. You're a failure. You're a loser. You might as well give up. You don't have what it takes to be used of God. You might as well just give up. And I was, I was wrapped up, tied up, and tangled all up in defeat and discouragement and failure. And I, mean, so, I was so discouraged one day. The devil began to feed into my mind the, the very thought that there's a possibility that God isn't even real. You know, the devil will get you that far and try to take you that far and feed that thought in your mind. And so God thinks just a big myth. It's no different from Buddhism, Hinduism. It's, it's no different. You just happen to be raised in America. We're raised in this. Why don't you start your life over without this God thing? The devil's fed millions of people that thought. Here I am, a youth pastor, and his thoughts coming in my mind. And one day, it was August 5th, 1995, in Concord, California. In my room, I was pacing back and forth. And I began to say, I began to think in my, in my mind, in my heart, Lord, I just can't do this anymore. I can't go on anymore. If you're real, you got to show me. I was raised in this thing, and I've been used by you. But, Lord, you got to do something, or I'm going to walk away from you completely. I'm just going to walk away. I will count you as just a myth, and that's it. And I'll walk away and start my own sort of brand-new life. And I said, God, you gotta, you got to show you're real to me. And in just a few seconds... And I think if you could see in the spirit world, I believe, and I don't want to get spooky, but I believe in the spirit world, there were demons speaking to me. I could feel it in the spirit world. Trying to destroy my soul, but at the very moment, just a few seconds after I asked God, show me you're real, the Holy Spirit began to remind me of a song I heard in Sunday school. And the song was, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. We are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. And in a moment, all the discouragement, all, the fail, all that sense of defeat, it flew out the window with every demon that brought it. Hallelujah. And I tell you, I was filled with the love of God. The love of God overwhelmed my spirit, overwhelmed me, and brought hope. Brought hope. Brought hope. And the love of God will do the same exact thing to people today. To you today if you're in that, in the, in that condition. The love of God brings hope. It brings hope. Hallelujah. That God is real and God has a plan. Here's some adjectives that describe God's love. It's unconditional. Meaning that it's not based upon what we've done or not done or what we can do. It's unwavering, meaning it's always constant. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's unending, meaning it never ends. He will always love us. 
He loved us before time began, and and he'll love us forever. His love is unequaled. There's nothing like it on the face of the earth. It's unearthly, meaning it, it, it comes from a supernatural source. His love is unimaginable, meaning it can't be received just intellectually. It has to be received into your spirit by faith. Love does not compromise. Sometimes love is manifested by a strong word of rebuke. And love compels us and love motivates us. Like Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, the love of God compels us. His love motivates us to serve the Lord. The love of God. Second point tonight is how do we grow in the love of God? You know, Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, thy mind, with all thy strength. That's the greatest commandment, to love the Lord thy God. And the second is just like the first, to love thy neighbor as thyself. But how does what, how do we grow in the love of the Lord? Because tonight, if you're a Christian, if you truly know the Lord, you're going to want to love him more. Do you hear that? I said, if you truly are saved, if you truly know the Lord, you're going to want to know, you're going to want to love him more. There's a saying that says, to know me is to love me. Well, to know God is to love the Lord. And when we get to know him, we love him. And so, if we truly know the Lord, we want to love him more. But how does one grow in that love? I want to preface this answer by quickly going to the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. So turn there in your Bibles, if you would. First, sorry, Ephesians. Ephesians, chapter 3, starting in verse 17. Where Lauren was preaching out of Ephesians, chapter 4, this morning. Ephesians 3. Verse 17, this passage of scripture, I won't read all of it, but it is really, it is a prayer of Paul for the Christians at Ephesus. It's a prayer by Paul. He starts out in verse 14 saying, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, it's a prayer of Paul for these Ephesian Christians. And in this prayer for them, He says in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That was his prayer. Being rooted and grounded in love. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length, the depth and the height. Verse 19, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul's prayer for the Ephesian believers, it revolved itself around the love of God. I want you believers to know the love of God. I want you to know it. With Paul's prayer being that, it implies and it shows us, I believe, that not every believer just automatically loves the Lord with all their heart. Paul said in verse 17, he said that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. 
Now, the statement there, being rooted and grounded in love, is a very important statement because it implies here that the only way that Christ can dwell in us, our hearts, by faith, is if we are rooted and grounded in love. That is the love of God for us through Christ. Rooted and grounded in love. Paul said in Galatians 5, verse 6, he says, faith worketh by love. That for the believer, the love of God manifested through, to us through Christ and his death upon the cross is the very foundation of our Christian existence. The love of God. He said, uh, he said you are rooted and grounded in love. Now the word being there being rooted and grounded, it is in the Greek, uh, and Brother Lauren mentioned some Greek words this morning. Let me mention a few other ones. Uh, um, <clears throat> I know you're becoming a Greek scholar. <laughs> uh, not. But the, um, the word being rooted, is, in the Greek it is in a perfect tense. It is, a, it is called a perfect infinitive. Perfect meaning a past action with continuous results. And action in the past and the results of it are continually happening. But the fact that it is, a, 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 that it is an infinitive means that that past action is also to be repeated over and over and over again. And the fact of the matter is this, is that every single one of us, when we first got saved, at that very moment, we were grew, rooted and grounded in love, in the love of God for us. For most believers, the most that they've ever loved people and loved the Lord was the days shortly following their salvation. Isn't that the truth? The most they've ever loved God and loved people was the days just following their salvation. Why? It's because God planted them. And God rooted them in the love of God. But you realize, but realize this, even though you may have been planted and rooted in love, it does not automatically mean that every believer is automatically loving God with everything, all their heart. It does not mean that we're all, we're, that we're all loving the Lord as we should. But Paul would say here, using just the tense and the, 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 of the verb, that this needs to be done over and over and over again, just like putting off the old man and putting on the new. We should be rooted and grounded in the love of God, the love of God manifested to us through Christ. You know, it's possible to even though one time be rooted and grounded in his love, to step out of that love, in a sense, to step out of that love and step into law. Oh yeah, you're still saved. But Christ and his cross is not the affection of your heart. At one time you were rooted in it, the love of God. But you stepped out of into works, into law, into religious pride. And no longer is Christ and his cross the affection of our heart anymore. That can happen, and it happens all the time. You know, it's possible that you as a believer and those listening by radio, that even though one time you were rooted and grounded into love, you can lose your first love. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, and Jesus writing to the church of Ephesus, you know what it says. 
Jesus at first admonished them and said, I know your good works. He said, I know that you try those who say they're apostles and you find them to be liars. I know your perseverance. I know your labor for my name's sake. I know that you, that you hold to the true doctrine. I know that. But he said this. He said, nevertheless, you have left your first love. You have left your first love. Could it be the case tonight that there are many in the church who have left their first love? Could that be the case? Could that be a possibility that many have left their first love? Paul's prayer for the, F, the church of Ephesus, I believe, is God's prayer for us. That, you, that, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. That we will be rooted and grounded in the love of God. That we may know the love of Christ. What, what happened to the church of Ephesus? You know, the church of Ephesus is interesting because what, the, what Jesus said about them is so good. If you were to leave the last part out, if you were to leave that correction out, the you've left your first love part out, and heard all the good things about the church of Ephesus, we would think, wow, that's a wonderful church, wouldn't we? I mean, this church, when the false apostles come in, I mean, they know right off the bat, this guy is a liar. He's false, you're out of here. They realize that if somebody is preaching false, they know it. They labor for Christ's sake. They're doing good works. We would think, man, that's a good church. I want to go to that church. <laughs> but then Jesus said, you've left your first love. You know what I see happening in the church of Ephesus? I see what happened with them is that they became very strong in doctrine, but deficient in love. I said, very strong in doctrine, but deficient in love. They knew all the P's and Q's of the Bible and of correct doctrine. They knew it. So if anyone, just, so if anyone was preaching that which was false, they could realize, you know what? That ain't the truth. They knew that. But Jesus said, you've lost your first love. How in the world could that be? At this time, possibly, I believe that Timothy, the, the, the spiritual son of Paul, I believe that even Timothy was the pastor at this time of the church of Ephesus. And Jesus said, you've, you've got all these good things, but you've left your first love. What happened? What happened again was that they become very strong in doctrine, but deficient in love, and that's possible. It's possibly very strong in doctrine, but not have Jesus as the main affection of your life. It's possibly strong in doctrine, but deficient in love. It's what happened with the church of Ephesus is that they, that Christ and his cross was no longer the object of their faith, nor their affection. I don't believe the church of Ephesus did, just didn't love God anymore. He just wasn't their first love. And that can happen many times. And Paul's prayer Going back to Ephesians 3, he said that we might be rooted and grounded in love. Verse 18, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height. And he's talking about the love of God. To know it's, it's, that it's limitless. 
In verse 19, they'll know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Hallelujah. In other words, we can, you can't truly fully comprehend the love of God. It passes all knowledge. Hallelujah. But then he says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And in verse 20, he says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. In other words, believers, you can know the love of Christ to a deeper, in a deeper way, to a deeper degree, a deeper level. More than, you never, more than ever before, you can know his love. And it's by the Spirit of God in you doing it. Hallelujah. The, going back to 1 John, and we're closing, singers, musicians can come back. How do, how, are we, how do we grow in the love of God? In 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, John said we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. How do we grow in the love of God? It comes first by, first of all, by knowing that he loves you. That's how it happens. First of all, by knowing that he loves you. We love him again because he first loved us. That's how we love him. That's how we love him more. By knowing and believing that he first loved us in 1 John 3, verse 1. And I, and I use that verse as a springboard tonight. But he said, John said, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Behold. How do we love him? It's by beholding the degree and the awesomeness of his love that he has lavished on us through his son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's by beholding it. It's by knowing that he loves us. That's God's way of us growing in the love of God. First of all, by knowing he loves us. Secondly, by knowing how he loves us. How does God love us? As I've already said tonight, God's greatest manifestation of his love was by giving his son Jesus. How do I grow in the love of the Lord? Is by knowing how God loves me. It's through Christ and him crucified. That is the greatest manifestation of his love towards me in the past, present, or future. God is continually lavishing his love on me through Jesus. Hallelujah. I said he's continually lavishing his love on you through Jesus, through Christ. So know that he loves you. Know that he loves you through Jesus and what Jesus did at Calvary. And love, finally, love will grow as we keep the cross, as we keep Christ and his cross as the object of our faith and the object of our affection. I said love will grow, the love of God, the agape love of the Lord will grow in our hearts as we keep Christ and his cross as the object of our dependence and the object of our affection. I love Christ. I love the Lord. And I'm thankful for what he's done at the cross. Hallelujah. Love will grow. 
love will grow as we keep Christ in his cross as the object of our dependence and our affection. It is a truth tonight that every single believer, every single one of us tonight has not arrived. But it is the truth, it is the truth tonight that we need to grow in the love of the Lord. Did you hear that tonight? I said every single one of us need to grow in the love. I'm preaching to myself. We need to grow in the love of the Lord. How does that happen? I know that he loves me. I receive his love. I believe his love. And I know that his greatest manifestation of love towards me was Christ, his son, coming to earth and dying on the cross for me. So when I behold the cross, I behold the love of God. When Jesus was upon the cross and that blood was, was dripping from his body, every drop of blood, when a sense was saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. When we behold the cross, we behold God's love. Hallelujah. The love of God is like fuel to faith. It's like fuel to faith. It sets the wheels of faith in motion. If the, the, knowing the love of God will bring, will bring the, the knowledge of the cross from here to here. Hallelujah. The fact that he loves me so much. He gives me victory through the cross. Why? Because he loves me. He does everything for us. Why? Because he loves us. His love. His love. His love. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It is, uh, it is my prayer tonight that every single one of us, myself included, would be overwhelmed with the love of God. As you're sleeping tonight in bed, may you be overwhelmed with his love. May you wake up tomorrow morning, may you be overwhelmed with the love of God. The fact that God loves me, hallelujah, and God loves my coworker, God loves the world. And who am I to hold back his love? The love of God brings change. Hallelujah. Again, it's the fuel to faith. Tonight, again, has been a very simple message, and I, I, hope, it's got, I hope that it's gotten across. Nobody can speak the love of God unto you. Again, the love of God passes knowledge. A person can speak and speak and speak all day long about the love of God and say, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. And some might think, we're believers, we're Christians. We go to Family Worship Center. <laughs> we don't need to hear that. Yes, you do. I said, yes, you do. Don't get any deeper than Jesus loves me. Don't get any deeper than the fact that God loves us through what Christ did at the cross for us. Hallelujah. Be overwhelmed with the love of God. Just receive it. Know it and receive it. Hallelujah. Every single day of our lives. Praise the Lord. Again, the love of God brings a change. It brings a change. And it's my prayer tonight that every single one of us will be overwhelmed with the love of God. 
be overwhelmed with his love. I don't know if I've brought it across. Well, it hasn't been brought across as good as it could. But it is such a cry in my heart tonight to know in a deeper way the love of God. The love of God. Is that your prayer tonight? To know his love. To be overwhelmed with his love. Well, if it is, God will do just that. He'll do that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.